Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Picking Podcast. It is February 23rd, 2023. It is 7.48 p.m. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am joined by Brandon Beaver. Brandon, what's going on? Oh, just hanging out. How about you? Uh, I I have been... I've had a very nice, easygoing week. I was been bored out of my mind. So I'm the type of guy who, who I got to have things to do or I just get bored. And I have been so bored um, lately. And I'm so glad that my life's going back to normal tomorrow. So I'll be busy again because I like busy. I don't, I, it's something about me. I, I like busy. So, yeah. I mean, I have been busy. I've been busy with work and stuff. And thankfully, I like my new job so far. So that's good. Right. Uh, but, uh, it's been, been a lot doesn't feel like work it's one of those things that uh, just does not feel like work and, and they always say that you know you found a good a good place if, if you're if your job does not feel like work so there you go there you go i will say that uh if you guys are in the cincinnati area and you want to come join me in a workout at 45 training come on down feel free to join me sign up i i and i just want to work out i love doing it it's a great place um i don't know why i'm pitching that right now on the stock investment show <laughs> i just really love the gym it's that that good that like that's what's going on right now i let love that place you, let, me, let me tell you something that happened to me again Go i ahead. had my debit card information stolen again by oh, some man. life in like michigan or something i don't know but uh so i had to cancel that debit card and now I'm telling you, I'm getting so irritated because, you know, the, these, these mark, the market watch, the wall street journal and stuff like that, that had my uh, card. And now, now they don't. So now I don't get articles to read. And now Dave, I'm, I'm reading, like I keep reading these articles and then eventually it says you've reached your article limit. Now you must subscribe. I'm a lover of capitalism. I mean, we're doing a show on capitalism, right? It's, it's, yep. it's essentially about capitalism, but I just okay. have to think to myself, if only there were two people in the world that would give out information for free, Dave, and maybe they could run a podcast, <laughs> right? You know, or maybe have a website. ChinchillaPicking.com would be a good one. Uh, you know, Instagram, Stock Twits, uh, TikTok. We we haven't had a TikTok video in a while. I don't know how to do it. I rely on you, Brandon, for that because I don't know, man. It's not my thing. I've been posting to it for a while. You know what I found? What's that? I was posting too much. So when I would when we would do these shows, I would post up like almost the whole show and we'd get a bunch of uh we'd get a bunch of watches on TikTok, but we'd get less listeners on the show. So <laughs> yeah, dude, just, just teaser. Teaser segments, man. <laughs> teaser segments. Anyways, not everyone everyone didn't come in to listen to us rat rant and rave about this stuff, what's going on in life. You guys want to hear about the stock market and some stock market news. So let's get into it, guys. Rules, rules, rules. Everybody, uh Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show and we tell each other what we're gonna talk about. You hear the live discussion here on the show. Brandon has the meat of tonight's dinner subject i don't know what you want to call it but you you have the majority of it so uh you go ahead brandon lead away all right this is straight from uh, a market edge article i found the other day it's called a potential stock market catastrophe in the making by joseph anoffi from the market edge and uh you know they're known as options with zero days until expiration or z uh, i'm sorry or zero dtes 
And this is because they have less than 24 hours left in their lifespans. Some traders see this as a way to place strategic trades around what could be potentially market-moving events like uh, the Federal Reserve meetings and such. Now, first quarter of last year, these these only represented about 22.5% of average daily trades in the S&P 500 options, uh, according to the CBOE. By the end of the fourth quarter last year, this had swollen to 44%. And Paul Wolgman, global head of equity index products at, G- at CME, said that trading in these has continued to climb earlier or early in this year. So does this represent a significant threat to the stock market? Is this go ahead, Dave? What were you gonna say? Yeah, I was gonna raise my hand. Yes. Uh doesn't uh, represent a threat? No, not a threat. It represents that there's a, a lot more people that are enjoying this volatility and they believe that they have it timed correctly yeah. and they're taking huge risk um, and, and with very high upsides and very high downsides. They're taking huge risks on these options that expire the same week of. That's, I mean... You you gotta firmly believe in what you're doing, and I don't know. I would like to know: is this retail traders or is this uh, actual bank investment traders? I mean, I would like to know where, where how that's divided up as well. So actually, it's still majority institutional. I would say that the swell and the increase is probably in the retail area. See, that scares well, me. That is institutional, man. That that tells me that these banks with our money are going out taking loans against our money and then they're using that loan that they took and they're playing these options the same week of with loans against our money and so if they if they get it wrong now they got to pay back that loans with our money that they lost and so yes are the banks still making profit yes the banks are still profitable as of right now but this is a very risky maneuver by yeah. them and it's not like you know regional banks like PNC bank doing this or anything like that I- it's the J.P. Morgan's, the Goldman Sachs, it's the global investment banks that are doing it. That that makes me wonder. Then here's my next question, because uh, my next question is if 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 let's say we have a J.P. Morgan out there, and they uh, they are, are going to go ahead and short, you know, uh, Nvidia right now. Let's just say that, right? So they're going to go out there. They're going to short Nvidia, but before they do that. Are they going ahead and, and buying a put on it that expires that Friday and then going in that Wednesday and shorten the stock and the stock drops and then selling their puts back, buying the puts? That's a good question. I don't know. Or they could I mean, because that's, that's legal. That's completely legal, but that's just moving the market yourself because you have enough money to. Yeah. Yeah. Or they could also, you know, if they're selling puts, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it, it just seems to me like, some people, and, and this was said by uh, somebody that I was watching on TV. I can't remember who it was, but it, it resonated with me. Uh, some people pick up pennies in front of steamrollers. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, and that's not to say that there aren't smart people doing this. Uh, you know, playing the day to day options and and using a small portion of their money to go to the casino or or play on bets that have a high probability of paying off. That I'm not. I'm not arguing that you shouldn't do that. I I think you know that it can be fun, uh, but you know you have to be very careful. Uh, you shouldn't 
play with more than you should lose, you know, you have to look and say, like, you know, this is a percentage that I'm willing to do it with. And you have to be very careful with it and don't get addicted to it because a lot of people, they'll make that first big win and then, oh my gosh, this is so easy, you know, and then guess what, you know, five five out of six times you win, right? But one out of six times you lose and that one out of six times, it kills you. That's why we're saying picking up pennies in front of steamrollers. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I get the picking up pennies in front of steamrollers, but I think there's too many gambling analogies here because the stock market is not gambling. If you do it correctly, it's not gambling. It's completely different from gambling. And I really get upset and kind of angry when people compare uh, investing and um, uh, even day trading to to gambling because I day trade, but I don't consider it gambling. There's two separate things because I know what I'm doing. I'm very practiced and disciplined at it. Um so I, I I I don't know. I get kind of on 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 the defense of investing at that point, but it I get your I do get the analogy of picking up pennies in front of steamroller because you may be going for that penny and you just got there too, too late and now you're steamrolled. I get it. I get the analogy, but uh, yeah, I, it I don't like the fact that these are more institutionals because I believe they're manipulating the market themselves in order to make money off the options. So they're making money off of it two separate ways, which is legal, but you know, at some point it's, it's risky. I would say define your risk and what you're willing to take and don't go into this um, unhedged. I want to know, this is really what I want to know. And I'm not sure if there's a way to find out or not how much of this is unhedged. How much of this has infinite risk? So for, right. for people listening, Brandon, right now, who may not know what unhinged means, you want to explain that? Unhedged. So, so just, just defining your risk, if you buy a call on something, you buy a call for $230. You could either make you know a, a, a certain amount of money on it, whatever. Usually you can make infinite amount of money. It, I mean, just depending on how high the stock goes if you buy a call. But you can only lose $230, right? You can only lose it. But if you're going to go ahead and sell a call, there's no telling how high that stock can go, especially in a short squeeze. So you're not hedged on it if you don't own the uh, you know necessary amount of, of shares to cover it. And then you're not hedged on it as well, um, mostly because there's no defining your risk in this. Because you can't tell how much money you could lose. It's not possible to figure that out. So this is what I'm saying. If, if you're going to do it, define your risk. If you're going to do these small, uh, you know, short side or short uh, short term uh, options trades, define your risk. Because it's stop really loss, right? You're talking about putting in a stop loss in no, place. No, what I'm actually saying is just make sure that whatever you, you could do a stop loss to define your risk. That works too. But like. Whatever trade you're making, just make sure that you're you know how much you can lose and you set it to that. And if that just comes to buying a call for two hundred dollars and you don't mind losing two hundred dollars, that's fine. You've defined your risk just by doing that. But some people are taking unlimited risks. That's what I want to know because ODTEs now are one trillion dollars. Average daily exposure tied to ODTEs now is one trillion dollars. That's, that's that's a lot. That's not just retail traders. That no. that's institutional. Yeah, that's that's very much institutional. That's that's a lot. Now, 
are these gonna are these particularly all, all heavy on the same names? Like, are we seeing Tesla and Apple and and Google as being the predominant players here in in this kind of movement here? It's mostly spy. Spy, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now that I see, so you and I have a mutual uh, friend who's also an investor and trader, and he uh, he loves to uh, play the spy options as well because everybody believes that it is very like you can track it and chart it. Yeah, and I'm I'm I I'm not big on on using charts. I know a lot of people like using those charts and the cloud charts and this guy charts and this, yeah. you know, whatever chart. But like you know, spy. I mean, I, there's a lot of investors who make a lot of money day trading spy. But I mean, you, it would have to be. I would I wouldn't do it unless I was uh, consistently watching spy day in day out, and I had at least six months to a year under my belt of watching it. With, and then I would start to feel and, and figuring out what makes spy mood the most. And once I would have a little understanding of that, I would feel more comfortable. Yeah. I, you know what? But he, he did define his risk. At least he said he did. Yeah, and he did. I, I he trust, did. I trust the competency of the guy that, that, you know, that was talking to us about that in, in our group chat. But, uh, and then also I trust the fact that like, I don't think that he was going to play around with money that he'd be afraid to lose. Um, I think that there's, I think that there's there is in this sense there's a risk of gambling addiction for a lot of people when it comes to ODTEs in particular. Um, but as far as the overall market goes, uh, well, let, let me just say this first: head of quantitative research at Option Metrics says that we haven't seen the systemic risk present themselves yet. But there's a concern that if you have a big daily swing like what we saw on March of 2020 that we really don't know what the market is going, how the market is going to react to it. Um, we did see, you know, Vulmageddon 1.0. That wound up, I think, being an opportunity. And I think this would be too. Market crashes that aren't financially related are opportunities. So if you want to sit back and watch all of these people go and pick up pennies in front of steamrollers, Wait for them to get steamrolled and then go and pick up the leftovers and, you know, fine. That, I mean, that's actually what you should do. It's your job as an investor to find these kind of opportunities that present themselves. So if the market crashes because of this, that's your entry point. I don't think the market's going to crash because of that. I think the, the market's going to come down. And I think it's adjusting because now they realize the Fed's got more um more more moves on the on the rate here coming up and uh they they realize the reality of that that the fed didn't has not had inflation under control Dame, jamie diamond came out in an article pardon me and if you guys don't know who jamie diamond is he's a ceo of jp morgan he's been a ceo for a long time he he came out and recently in an interview said that uh i i have no confidence that the well i don't know if he said no confidence but i have very little confidence in the fed has inflation under control and you can see the evidence. Uh, yes, the, the Fed meetings, the numbers came out, and everybody was, quote-unquote, united behind that 25 basis points move. But there was a few outliers there that were saying, hey, we need to go higher. And I think they were right. But uh, I, I get the reasoning behind it. It, it. I mean, it's just I think the market's going to move lower because of that and because inflation is still high, and that's what's going to make the market come down. And because the the likelihood of a soft landing is is getting less and less likely, the higher that inflation stays up. Yeah, it's probably or the longer the longer inflation stays it's up. It's probably not going to happen. I'm still I'm still long term bullish on stocks, but 
I mean, I think, really? I think we're going to have more significant opportunities present themselves this year. And if it's brought about by a bunch of gamblers who bring down, I don't know, NVIDIA or uh, Microsoft to unreasonably low levels. You buy in. That's just buy in time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Back up the truck and unload your cash and just say, boom, yeah, buy it, baby. Agreed. So speaking of NVIDIA, NVIDIA announced earnings or software will now be made available. Their AI software will now be made available in cloud computing offerings such as Oracle Corps, Microsoft Corps, and Alphabet services, as well as a few others that have yet to be announced so far. NVIDIA uh, Chief Financial Off- Officer Colette Cress mentioned on the call that software brings in hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and it is getting stronger. Hmm. I think this this excited a lot of people because people were really bearish on software, in particular cloud software, um, which cloud was actually down for NVIDIA year over year, but just not as bad as what people were expecting. I think, you know, I mentioned this last year. I think that last year, uh, you know, we, we kind of priced in Armageddon here. And then it just turns out that NVIDIA is still NVIDIA and Microsoft is still Microsoft. And so guess what? People are buying it again. Uh, fourth quarter net income. This was, it was just a case. It wasn't a great earnings report, but it was like just not as bad as people thought. Again, fourth quarter net income, $1.41 billion, 57 cents a share. Compared with $3 billion last year, so cut in half just about. Go ahead, Dave. So I don't think any of our listeners want us to go over the numbers right now. They heard the numbers. They want to go over why is it moving higher, all right? So you said that the fourth quarter numbers weren't as good. So let's talk about why is it moving higher. I mean, let's talk about the guidance. Let's talk about what they, the reasons here were. We can even start with why did it go down all of last year and the – uh, uh, and we could talk about that because it went down. We reported on this podcast. We covered it a couple times about how it went down because of supply chain issues and because of the fact that there were sanctions, uh, the sanction war between U.S. and China, and they couldn't sell certain chips in China, and they could only sell certain chips in U.S., but then they could make these in China, but they couldn't ship into the U.S., and there was all these issues. And the video is having supply chain issue after supply chain issue. Gaming consoles dropped in sales significantly because everybody bought in 2020. Um, and so there was there, and that was seen as like one of the biggest drivers. Bitcoin started to come down um at the end of last year, and that was also seen as a big driver for NVIDIA because they used their chips in those uh miners, uh the CPU miners, and now uh a lot of coins are moving away from actual mining. Uh, and so you you see all these these things as what drove the price of the stock price in Nvidia down. So what what's moving it up is the guidance that they gave and what they talked about in the future of uh, going forward. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, and it looks like a lot of the a lot of the things that had those increases uh, over 20, 2021, um, they're plateauing rather than significantly decreasing. So it looks like we're creating possibly another base for growth. At least that's the bull story. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the bull story. Yes, you got the plateauing, but that's what makes NVIDIA so good as a company, Brandon, is you see the plateauing of uh, the revenue from those. There are typical streams that they count on CPUs and and uh, Bitcoin miners and um, uh, consoles, gaming consoles, right? Yeah. 
But they're they're so innovative that they come up with new ways and new innovations and new technology. And that's what allows them to continue to have the growth year over year that they've had for a long, long time. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what makes NVIDIA NVIDIA. And that's what makes them such a strong company that, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's something that it's a company to believe in. It's a company that if. You bought it a long time ago, uh, ten years ago, and just held it. You you would be doing very very well today. And uh, everybody's you know looks back and says, "Oh, I wish I saw that opportunity." Well, I mean, it's been covered. We covered it on our Facebook group years ago. Yeah, We're running that, we said buy Nvidia and hold it. Uh, so I mean, it's it was covered. And it's probably you know it's one of those things, and I've done this before, where I look at a stock and I'm like, oh man, I should buy it right now. Oh, but it's probably too expensive, even though it's an incredibly great company. And then five years later, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I should have bought it back then, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not just with gaming; it's not just gaming that seems to be having a um, new formation of a, of a base for growth here. They said that their research illustrates expectations for a three percent decline and spending for the top seven cloud service providers. However, th- and they're talking about this year, but this follows 33% growth in 2022 and 26% in 2021, which is just unheard of. It's just like that. That is just incredible growth. So the fact that we're only giving back 3% right now in order to potentially grow further in the future I think that people zeroed in on that. Wait a minute. We're only going to decline 3% after having like 50 per, over 50% growth over the past two years. Not bad. So last year was a bad year for them. 22% growth. Yes. They, they, uh, NVIDIA grow is, has always grown like it was a startup, like it was new, like it just IPO'd and it's in this oh, first. Infancy. Still, still a startup growth though. That's it, still- that- that's kind of a low, that's kind of the low end of a startup growth, but you typically startups, you'll see about 40, 50% growth um, for the first three to four years. And that's because they're coming from nothing. But uh, NVIDIA is still growing at 26 or 22% growth is just remarkable considering, you know, how the company is, but that shows they're, they're look, they're looking forward for innovation and technology. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about this real quick. Cause I'm going to go into, I, I briefly let talked say, about this. Let me say you. this real go quick. Ahead. I think the key thing was you said, this is bad. For them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Bad for them. It's bad for Nvidia. Um, so let, let's go into this because I'm pretty sure if you're listening right now, you probably read some of the same articles Brandon and I both have. And we're going to talk about their chip, the A100, right? So this this chip is what is driving this, this remarkable growth in the stock price the past couple of weeks. Um, and... If you look at it, it's used for this, all this big talk about the AI chat GPT and how Microsoft is going to push being into this next level and Google and what have you, right? So you have to, have to use NVIDIA's chip. This one chip costs $10,000, right? And so in order to, uh, the, NVIDIA packages this in a GPU, they call it, where they put 10 of these, uh, not 10 of these, 20 of these, I believe it's 20 of these in there. It's $200,000. So it's probably 20, 19, maybe, who knows. But they put it in a GPU that they sell these GPUs in order to go ahead and uh, and run these type of programs. Well, in order for Microsoft to have the type of AI GPT you know, program that they want for Bing, 
they have to buy now. If they're going to buy the equipment out and not like uh, just rent it from the video, if they're going to buy it out, they would have to spend four billion dollars buying this from the video next this year in order to do what they want to do. That's four billion dollars right there in revenue just from this one chip that Nvidia owns. Nvidia has a whole array library of different chips and 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 hardware that they sell. But this from this one chip, that's what my uh, Microsoft would have to do, let alone what Google. Google is estimated at $7.4 billion of buying NVIDIA's chip. Already right there, Brandon, you're at what, $11.4 billion in sales between two companies just for this one chip that NVIDIA is selling right now that's going to power all this AI and it's going to be used to run all these different programs. Now, they like what I was talking about, Renton is NVIDIA is also offering for uh, – smaller companies or um, companies that can't afford the billions of dollars like the Googles and Microsoft, they will, they can uh, attach these uh, GPUs up to the cloud and companies can rent time on it and use it that way as well. So NVIDIA is setting up for a, to be services on top of hardware. So now they're, uh, they're looking more into a uh, service uh, area of the, of the business. And this is what's driving the stock price up because you have the other sales that are plateauing, but you have this new innovative AI new chip that's just moving it right up and, and, and charging the growth ahead. So that's the story, Brandon. That's, that's what I read at least. And when I read those articles, me being a dork, the thing that excites me most about the advancement in AI is game. <laughs> it's gaming. It's always gaming. You know. All right, so here's what I would like to see. Like, we have we have all these these systems now, which we're we're using with AI and everything. You bring up gaming, and as someone who grew up with video games his whole life, right? What I would like to see is a uh, a game a game hooked up to the the cloud that I could get on and play, and AI changes the bad guy to adapt to me. Yeah. Then, well, I mean, that's. That, and that's funny because, like, so many gaming companies have already, like, incorporated some of that into their games, and they've been kind of ahead of the curve on AI when it comes to that. Um, I want NPCs or non-playable characters for non-dorks uh, to be as smart as ChatGPT. Wow. Okay, you're asking a lot. That's a lot of money. But <laughs> back to NVIDIA. <laughs> NVIDIA is the one power in all this. And that's why I, I see, you know, they have another bright future and they're going to keep being innovative. They just have that, that culture inside that, that company that they continue to innovate, they continue to improve. And that was all these supply chain and tariffs and all the other issues uh, worked out and back to a more normal quote unquote uh, rhythm. I, I believe that uh, NVIDIA is set to, to skyrocket now. Do you buy right now or is it gapped up too much? I think it's gapped up too. I think it's gapped up and I don't think you buy right now. And here's why Brandon is that uh, I believe there is going to be a small, I, I'm not calling like, you know, I'm not as bearish as I was a month ago. I'm not calling for a big downturn, but uh, I, I believe you are going to have a small downturn because we need it in this market. And so, you know, I would wait for that before I would buy. I would probably wait for it to drop below 200. Patience pays. I, you know what? The Fed's still raising rates. There's still inflationary pressures. We still don't know what comes at the other end of this and how we beat inflation and what the side effects are going to be. 
Uh, and if it's not a soft landing, then yes, it's going to be, you know, some downside risk for sure. A lot of it probably even. But with that being said, NVIDIA, they've got such a great business plan and, and they've got such a good company here that if you don't have the patience for it and you can weather, you know, even, you know, 15, 20% swings, cause it is still pretty volatile. Uh, I don't think you're going to like regret in 10 years from now, if you buy NVIDIA today, you're not going to regret that you bought it today. Yeah. If you're doing a long-term investment, yeah. correct. I agree with you. Long-term investment, diamond hands all the way. Yes. Go ahead. That's one of the few that, uh, you know, I would agree with you on, you know, yes. It'll, it'll, I I deal more with, you know, me, I deal more of trading. You're more of the investing side, you know? And so that's, I, to me as a trader, I'm looking to wait for the downturn or maybe even, uh, you know, no, I'm not going to say, I was going to call an option here, but I was like, no, (laughs) I get it. I get it. And you know what, even for an investor, if there's a 10% downside, you get extra 10% on the other side of it when it comes back up, that's pretty good profit. So Yeah. yeah, I understand that completely. Um, now, will AI add three hundred billion dollars in revenue to um, to the balance sheet of uh, of Nvidia, as CEO Jensen Huang said it will? Yes, I, I just explained how. I just explained yeah. how three hundred billion. You think three hundred? Yeah. Well, see, you're getting <laughs> not in one year. There's no not time not frame on this. There, okay, there's so- no, he, he gave no time frame. So no time frame, then yes. Yes, it will. Because uh, you right now, NVIDIA is uh, the only game in town that has this amazing new chip uh, that that you need for it. So with no time frame, yes. Yes, they will. And it's the service aspect of it is what I'm looking at to why I agree with him is the that you can rent, you could lease the time on their GPUs that they have set up at their facility via the cloud and use it that way. So if you and I started the company right now, we needed to use uh, use this chip to write some a- to have AI write some programs for us or run some calculations for us. We could just lease it from Nvidia, hook up via the cloud, and uh, we would pay Nvidia for that fee. And then you know that that's the service part of it is what where Nvidia is going to make a lot of money. So here's my take. I like I like Microsoft. Don't get me wrong. I really like Microsoft. I still like it as a stock. But I really, really don't care that they bought OpenAI until they can demonstrate that they can make money off of OpenAI. What I do care about are the people who are supplying the chips for these things. So NVIDIA is in a position right now to win no matter what. Whether or not OpenAI winds up being a drag on Microsoft's earnings, uh, it doesn't matter. For NVIDIA, they're making the chips. They're going to make the profits anyways. Yeah, it's true. And, and, it, and honestly, like it, whether it's Microsoft or Google or, or whoever takes the lead in this AI, once again, they're going to be using NVIDIA. Yeah, in, until there's another chip maker that comes out with something comparable. But right now, yeah, NVIDIA is it. Like, like they've made Intel look like, I don't know. Uh, don't, don't even remind me. That's one of my long-term Intel. investments, and I, I'm hating Intel right now. Intel, Intel's getting, they've been on a lot with like, you know, local manufacturing of chips and trying to get away from Taiwan uh, semiconductors. And that may actually w- wind up panning out for them for the best in the future if, if you know, relations start to sour even more with China, but we'll see. Well, and, and they did the right thing by cutting their dividend. Uh, but that just, that, that scares away uh, shareholders yeah. when you cut a dividend that much. Um, so, 
you know, it's it was a huge dividend cut, but I believe they needed to do that in order yeah. to reinvest that money back into the company. It's the right move. Yeah. I agree. Definitely. There's a, a lot wrong with that company right now, but that was a good step in the right direction. Um, I just, you know, I do worry for NVIDIA. I do worry for NVIDIA. I worry for Apple and Microsoft as well about what might happen with Taiwan if things, you know, Things start to uh, get a little hotter with China and, you know, what's China's number one target going to be? It's not going to be the shores of the United States, thank God, but it will be Taiwan. Yeah. Geopolitical events, man. They, 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 people, you got to understand because it does move stocks and markets around. Yeah. What else you got, man? That's everything for me. Cool. Uh, all right. So I'm going to bring up a, another point here of another company that Brandon and I have talked about. Many, many times, and uh, usually it, we don't have nice things to say about this company, and that's literally their own fault. It is their own fault. I'm going to talk about Boeing, all right? So Boeing, somehow, some way, every time I come out with good news, two weeks later, they, they, they you know, I don't know. It, it's like they, they get the ball, they get the kickoff. And I'm like, hey, Bowen's got the ball back. They're getting ready to drive down the field, and then they fumble or throw an interception. <laughs> this is this is Boeing. This is Boeing. Bowen's that the the meme of the person <laughs> sticking the stick through the bicycle wheel. That is Boeing. All right. Yeah. So the latest thing with Boeing. Here's the head. I'm just gonna read the headline. Boeing temporarily halts deliveries of 787 Dreamliner jets. Oh, so this is the jet that we, you and I just talked about, how it was selling off. They're increasing demand. They're going to add another manufacturing plant because everybody wanted to buy the 787. And I think that was like two, three weeks ago, you and I talked about in the show, and we both agreed like something's going to happen. They always mess this up somehow. And here we are. Three weeks later, yes, they messed it up somehow. Um, so, uh, Wall Street Journal has uh, said that Boeing has not handed over a Dreamliner since January 26th from the production line or from dozens stored awaiting delivery of a documentation issue. So this is a documentation issue. And here's what the company actually had to say on this. They said there's no immediate safety or flight concern for the in-service fleet. While near-term deliveries will be impacted at this time, we do not anticipate a change to our production and delivery outlook for the year. What it was, there's an analyst uh, error by one of their suppliers. Again, it's their suppliers that cause these issues. So they had an error at one of their suppliers. It was related to the forward pressure bulkhead. So they pause all deliveries so they can re get the uh, correct documentation. They can reanalyze this and see if this is something that's going to uh, really um, really get these, these planes back on the track. Because earlier, the chief financial officer, Brian West, on last month's earning call, said it's going to take us a little bit longer to get up to producing five of these a month. Uh, so they were saying maybe later this year they should be able to do it. There may be 70 to 80 in the cards for this year is what they were saying at the last earnings call. And at the last earnings call is when they knew the start of this issue. And so we should have seen that when he came out and said, it's going to take us a little bit longer that he knew something. And 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 it was at that moment we should have said, all right, why is it going to take you a little bit longer? What happened now? What supplier did what? Brandon, some thoughts real quick. Uh, they are the least transparent company. Uh, at least big company right now um, in the American stock market. 
and it's really frustrating. You know what happened when um, the uh, unrest in China broke out and it, and it halt, you know, it, it hurt iPhone uh, supply and and iPad supply. Apple came out and told people. You didn't read it in a Wall Street Journal investigate, investigative article first. You got it from a press release directly from Apple telling investors this is what's happening. And that's what a transparent company does that cares about its shareholders. When, when you're dealing with Boeing, you could wake up at any given moment, any given morning, and find an article from a trade show magazine like I did uh, in the past or from Wall Street Journal. And surprise, there's another issue they didn't tell you about. Yeah, it, it's it's very, if I was a shareholder of Boeing, which I'm not, but if I was, I would be very frustrated with this company of the fact that they don't come out and say these things when they know about them. Yeah. When when they, these are happening, being transparent, that they hide things like it. Like you can't hide things anymore. It's 2023. People are going to find out. You know, it's it's come on, guys. You got to get this again. And it's always your suppliers. They need to re-look at their supply chain and just reevaluate where they're going with these things. I mean, last time it was like some a part supplier in Italy that was really messing it up. And then it was a another part supplier in France. I'm like, you're getting these parts from all over the world, you know, and, and you're you're not vetting them correctly is what I think is going to happen. I don't know. Who knows? They need an activist investor on the board. Yes. To pressure them to remove the CEO and to change management. But, I mean, you're not going to get anyone like Icon or anybody else because they don't want to mess with it. They don't want to mess with the corruption in the company. Can't blame them. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the a lot bet- of potential, but it's just not going to go anywhere the way that it is, right? Because everyone likes these Dreamliners; they're fun, they're they're nice to fly on. They're great planes. People love the Dreamliners, but like you can't you can't even get it together to where you can build them consistently. You're always pushing it back and pushing it back. Yeah, you know, I just it's frustrating. Maxes frustrating. are great. Huh? Maxes are great to fly on too when they're operational. Yeah, there you go. So. I don't know. That's just what I had on Bowen. They frustrate me to no end with their consistent uh, failing, I guess you say. They consistently fail. <laughs> That's the worst company that, in the world. Worse than Robin Hood. Yeah, it, it is. I, I just don't know, man. Um, I'm going to leave uh, with uh, – I'm going to finish here before we do uh, final thoughts with uh, Jamie, Jamie Diamond. This, again, this is more of that interview he did. He was he was expecting his expectation for U.S. interest rates are six percent. They're not going to pause at five percent. He says they're going to go all the way to six. Is what he's saying right now. Yeah. Right now it's in a four point five four point seven five range. He's saying it's going to six. That's going to hurt the housing market, which is already starting to hurt. You're already seeing commercial um, landlords seeing people not being able to pay rents. Um, you're going to start seeing them to drop. That's why I was looking at rights last time. I'm still looking at them because I think there's going to be more damage to happen in some of these. So you want to find some good ones. If you are going to get in, get in while, while they're dropping down. That's the time to get in. You don't get in while they're going up. But these these higher interest rates are going to hurt a lot of these uh, smaller companies. It's really going to hurt the housing market. And uh, I don't know, man. I think uh, – you're, you're going to see that coming up more in the numbers. Like the housing market's already been hurt enough and it's going to have some more damage to come. 
but the home prices still haven't fallen down enough. They they have more. They need to come down more for the average U.S. Uh, household in order to start buying houses again. Yeah, well, I mean, and I agree with Jamie Diamond too. I mean, historically, if you look at um, past uh, cycles where we had to beat down inflation, uh, you don't really beat down inflation usually until interest rates rise to the level of inflation. Yeah, that and- that that is a good call. Yep. I mean, in the eighties, what did we get up to in the early eighties? I think it was like close to ten, wasn't it? I would think it was higher. I think it was in the. I think it was near twenty. Was it near twenty percent interest rates? I think I could be wrong. I uh, could. You'd have to look that up. Don't quote me on it. I'm quoting you on it. I'm putting it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, final thoughts, Brandon. Go ahead. Uh, you know, if you, you could just sit back, you could be patient and you could you could pick up the uh, leftovers of the people that go and, and you know, especially listen, big money uh, is, is not always smart money. Smart money is almost an oxymoron in the market. Uh, just because somebody's got a lot of money to play around with doesn't make they're going to make doesn't mean they're going to make the best decisions with it. And if you're patient, you can you can uh, take advantage of that and you can pick up their leftovers and you can make nice, nice profits off of it. Right. I mean, I've lost 30% in one day before on, on a stock, not even an option on a stock because I was taking a high risk and trying to be risky with it. And that's what I get for doing that. Well, oh, well, man. Yeah. The company, the company no longer exists, if you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I lost a lot of money on that. The, yeah, but I mean, that happens. We live and we live. The walk it is the worst <laughs> investment of my life. <laughs> we've all had those and then i remember having one that tripled in in like three days uh that was first solar back in the day so that was a good one for me so you have ups you have downs you have good trades bad trades uh, what i would say right now guys is just pay attention keep your watch list keep things on there watch the ones that you're consistently watching pick a sector that you know a lot about and start there if you're a new investor a new trader uh, start with a sector and start uh, saying, hey, I, I know a lot about retail stores, so let me start with just a retail sector. You know what I mean? Find something that you have interest in. Find something that you uh, are, uh, you know, uh, ha- have can follow and understand. That's what I would recommend. And and take your time, guys. Be patient. Wait for downturns. Don't follow after a stock has gapped up a lot unless you believe that there's more room to go, but you have to have some fundamental reasons beyond for that. Because usually after a stock gaps up, um, they typically will hang out there or come down a little bit. And by gap up, I'll give you an example. Say a stock was at $5 a share. All of a sudden, it jumps up to like $8, $9 a share. That's a gap up. Stocks will also gap down. And they'll do a dead dead cat bounce is what they call it. Uh, When a stock falls down real fast, all of a sudden, they bounce up a little bit right there at the end. And then they die off. Dead cat bounce. Um, But look for those gaps. Don't, Don't chase a gap. It's already gapped up. You already missed it. You know, unless there's a fundamental reason to follow it, then then follow it, you know. So I'll give you an example. Meta, Meta, for example, I mean, it was like in the 130s or something like that. And then it gapped to like 191 uh, after their last earnings. And now it's given some back back down to 175. So and once again, I'm still a holder of Meta. I still love it. Um, (laughs) That's a a perfect example of what we're talking about. Like you don't chase the gap up because people would have came in at 190 and said, oh, we're going to buy this. It's going higher to the moon. And all of a sudden it drops down. You lost money. And so that's what happens, guys. Like don't chase the gap unless there's a good fundamental reason for doing that. Right. Exactly. All right. So um, as always, guys, uh, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.